three, two, one. Snap. What do they do? They, you know, they hit, take one, take two. All right. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome to church. And it's uh, so good to be here at Summit Church. And uh, hope you're all doing good. Welcome everyone on social media. And uh, hey, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and uh, doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And last week I said some things about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as well as I said some other things about the Holy Spirit last week. But do you know the Holy Spirit was, uh, was very uh, uh, vital in, the, in the, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, actually, you see the work of the Holy Spirit in the virgin birth. Remember, God the Father sent the angel to the Virgin Mary. Remember that? With the word of God and she received the word of God. Remember that? And the Bible says the Holy Ghost you know, came upon her and the power of the highest overshadowed her and within her was conceived the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that? And so uh, and it's interesting. She received the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself overshadowed her. And then remember what John says, the word was made flesh. She had to receive the word. And when she received the word that God the Father sent through the angel... Then the, then the Holy Spirit, see, God didn't push Jesus off on her. Did you ever think about that? She had a choice, didn't she? And, 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 and she had to receive the word. See, God won't push himself off on anybody. She had to receive the word. She received the word. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit came upon her. And within her was conceived the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... Um, you know, that's the, that's the, that's, that's, that is, that's miraculous, isn't it? The only time that's ever happened or ever will happen, that you have a human being uh, without the male being involved. Is that right? And, uh, and then... She received the word. The word was made flesh. Jesus was born of the virgin. But the Holy Spirit was instrumental in that, in the virgin birth. And then we see Jesus coming on the scene some 30 years later. And the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And remember Jesus's ministry. Uh, the Holy Spirit was right there empowering him. Remember that? So the Holy Spirit is, it was vital in his, in his earthly ministry and the miracles and the signs and the wonders. And then the Bible talks about how Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit led him, you know. And, and, and Jesus didn't do anything except he saw his father do it unless the Holy Spirit were, were to lead him. Remember that? And so, so the Holy Spirit was vital in, in the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And actually, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit is, is the one that raised Jesus. The Holy Spirit and His power is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. And so you see the Holy Spirit uh, uh, active in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now today what I want to talk to you about is the Holy Spirit's threefold ministry to the world and sevenfold ministry to the church. His threefold ministry to the world, which would be unbelievers, and his sevenfold ministry to the church, which, which would be believers. Uh, so let's start off with his threefold ministry to the world. In John 16, verse 7, notice 
Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper. Now, you might want to underline that word helper. We're going to come back and talk about that here in just a, a little bit when we look at his ministry to the church. But when Jesus says the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Now, of course, the reason that it's advantageous for Jesus, or it was advantageous for Jesus to go away and the Holy Spirit come, is, is because, and you might even be able to come up with some other reasons, but I think one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, is Jesus, when he was here in his ministry, could only minister to one person at one time. But the Holy Spirit... He can minister to everybody all around the world all at the same time. Is that right? But nonetheless, notice verse 8. When he has come, when the Holy Spirit has come, and we know he came on the day of Pentecost, he will convict. Now, you underline that word convict. He'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So you see, here we have his threefold ministry to the world or to unbelievers. He convicts them, sinners, talking about sinners now, he convicts sinners, he convicts, that word convict is so important, uh, the world are sinners, he convicts them of what? Of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. See, though, there's, there's a threefold ministry that he has to the world. And notice verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me. And of course, that's what a sinner, that's how you would define a sinner. Someone who doesn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? Once we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we become the righteousness of God. Amen. So really there's only two types of people in the world, spiritually speaking. There, there's believers and unbelievers. There's, there's, uh, there's sinners and there's the righteousness of God. You need to realize that. But notice here, he'll convict the world of sin because they don't believe in, in, in me, he said. And of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world, which is the devil, is cast out. Now notice, he says, convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. Now notice he said of sin, not sins, plural. He said sin, singular, not sins, plural. You see the sin that he's talking about here is the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do, is he'll convict a sinner, an unbeliever, uh, concerning their unbelief or their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that's the sin that puts people in hell? Sin singular, one sin that puts people in hell, it's the rejection, or we could say it, the failure to receive, the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the failure to receive Him as Savior. You understand that? And, and so, uh, that's what he's talking about. He, the Holy Spirit will convict a sinner of sin, of that rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you see, it, 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 when we talk about sins, plural, that comes over among the believers, the church. And when you or I as believers, we, we commit sins, we shouldn't, we, 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 we don't have to, but unfortunately we do. Now, when, when we sin as believers, see, that's a little bit different process. 
See, the Holy Spirit convicts the world or the sinner of sin, but when we as Christians miss it and commit sins, then you can read over in 1 John uh, where the Bible says, uh, talks about our heart condemning us. See, it's a little bit different process. And of course, the Holy Spirit's inside a believer. And so, uh, uh, of course, the Holy Spirit is, is, is active in that as well. When we as Christians commit sins, you know, and our heart condemn us. Have you ever missed it as a Christian? You've sinned and you get that, oh, huh? Now, if, now if, you, if, if you call yourself a Christian and you're committed, you've sinned and you miss it. And you don't have that, oh, on the inside. You know what I'm, how many knows what I'm talking about? Then you need to check up and see if you really got saved. If you can sin and it don't bother you, then, then I, I have to say you're not, you ne never really did get saved. If you can sin and it don't bother you, then I have to say you never really did get saved. Because if you're a Christian and you sin, you're going to have that on the inside of that, that, that. What is that? That's your heart condemning you. But you see, it's a little bit different process with, a, with an unbeliever. See, an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit will convict them. Of their sin, and that's the re that sin is singular, the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important, you see, uh, we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If a person does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they die, Jesus himself said they die in their sins. You don't want to die in your sins as an unbeliever, you'll go to hell, you see. And so that's why the Holy Spirit, he works to convict he works to convict the world of sin, of that rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of us at one time were sinners. Is that right? Before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've all experienced on some level, to some degree, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, this word convict, I, I want to spend a little time on that. It, it, it is a powerful, powerful word. And, and let me just tell you this. I, I've looked up definitions on this particular word, convict, and there's no theological nor secular dictionary that can adequately define this word. Now, you'll find some definitions on it, but there's no theological or secular dictionary that can adequately define this word, this, this word convict. It's a power. It's, a, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon a, a sinner and, 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 and convicts them of their sin or, or of their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you, if you, it's more than just a definition, it's a power. And, uh, uh, it can't adequately be defined with words. If you did try to define it with words, it would be to bring a person to a point of recognition of wrongdoing. Or we could say it another way, to bring a person to a point that they realize that they're a sinner and they need a savior. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. It's to bring a person to a point of light or to reveal something, something to them. See, we as, as, as Christians, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, didn't he? So we must go out and preach the gospel. And we can pray and we can stand against the spiritual blindness that's upon a sinner's uh, uh, spiritual understanding. You know, we can do that. We must do that. We must preach the gospel. We must tell people about Jesus. We can stand against and come against spiritual blindness that's upon people. But I tell you what, we cannot as believers do what only the Holy Spirit can convict a sinner of their sin. We don't have the power in and of ourselves or the words in and of ourselves to convince somebody that they're a sinner and that they need Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You need to realize that. And so don't ever try to do the work of the Holy Spirit. 
I never try to convince somebody that they're a sinner. I preach the word of God. I do my part. And then I let the Holy Ghost do what only he can do. And that's bring that convicting power upon a sinner to bring them to a point of light, realizing that they're a sinner and that they need to repent and receive Jesus as their savior, you see. Um, now, this another word that you, that, that you could use to uh, define this word convict means to convince, to convince, to convince. And only the Holy Spirit can do this. Only he can convince somebody that they're lost and undone and that they need Jesus. Only he can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I, I'll just, I just feel impressed to say this. It kind of, kind of, kind of goes off the beaten path here, but I'll say this. Do you, you know, you, you, you've watched me preach here for 27 years. Have you ever heard me try to convince a person to tithe? No. Not one time. Have you ever heard me up here? I, I say very little bit, a little, a little about money. Little, little about money. Never, never hardly talk about it. Hardly at all. Just very little. But, but, but have you ever heard me try to convince somebody to tithe? As a preacher, you're wasting your time. Now, you, you teach on the subject, all right. But only the Holy Spirit can convince somebody that they need to be a tither. So I leave that to him, you see. And I've done that over the years. And every financial need here has been met for 27 years. And we've always been over, not under financially. Amen. Glory to God. But you see, in this area of salvation, only the Holy Spirit can convince a sinner, that they're lost and undone and that they need Jesus. You can preach to them, all right. You must preach to them. But only he can convince them that they need Jesus, you see. Now, another verse along this lines that will help you is John 6.44. Look at John 6.44. John 6.44, Jesus said, goes along with, with uh, 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 the Holy Spirit convicting a sinner of sin. Notice this, no one can come to me. Now watch this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Underline that word draw or highlight it because it goes right along with what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit convicting someone, a sinner of their sin. No one can come to me, nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him and I'll raise him up at the last day. Now notice that word draw is, is like unto convict. It's basic, it's not the same Greek word, but it's the same connotation. Did you know that, that a sinner cannot come to the Lord Jesus Christ unless the Father through the Holy Spirit draws that person? Are convicts that sinner of their sin. And this word draw, it's an interesting word. I studied into it. And if you're taking notes, you ought to, you ought to write this down. Uh, it, now, there's many definitions to it, but this is an outstanding definition. This word draw, it, it has the implication of to, to, to draw without the notion of force. To draw without the notion of force. It's a fantastic word. It's an interesting word. And that's what happens when, when, when the convicting power, or we could say this drawing, drawing power, the Holy Ghost comes upon a sinner. Uh, It'll it, it, it begin to draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's done without force. Interesting, the Holy Spirit won't ever make anybody do anything. He won't make somebody get saved. Now, he'd like to make some, he'd like to make everybody get saved, but he won't do it. God has given all of us a free will. He won't make anybody get saved, but he'll draw. And that drawing power is without the notion of force, you see. See, we're supposed to preach the gospel and then to, to a sinner. And then the Holy Spirit goes into operation and he'll begin to convict that, that sinner or draw that sinner to Jesus. But he won't make them respond. They have to do that. On their own accord. See, it's without force, you see. 
Now, let me just say this. And then I have a few other things I want to say about this. But many theological wars have been fought over this subject of drawing. Of drawing, of the Holy Spirit drawing. And people have asked me over the years, they've said, Pastor Terry, are there some people that the the Father never draws to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? And, And you know, my answer to that is very simple. Since God is not willing that any should perish, I believe that at some time in everyone's life, the Father will draw uh, every person by the power of the Spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I personally believe. Now, I noticed this power of conviction on me before I got saved when I was a young boy at Vandover Baptist Church. Not far from where I stand right now. Vandover Baptist Church is not far away from here. And... Uh, I remember as a young boy, I was in a, in a service there, and, and, and the pastor, his name was Norman Hickson, a wonderful man, and he was preaching a, a message on salvation. It was in the evening. I remember it was a night service, and, and there, was, there was like thunderstorms in the area, not severe, but thunderstorms in the area. I just remember that. And I tell you what, he gave an altar call, and a power came on me, and I started weeping and crying under the power that convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And I remember as I sat there and he, he beckoned people to come forward to get saved and, and give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember that. I remember weeping under the power, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And because I hadn't given my heart to the Lord yet. I remember as I sat there, this man, his name was Ralph Blevins. Ralph Blevins, he was a, uh, uh, he, actually he was an elementary school teacher of mine. And, and now he's since gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, actually, there's an elementary school here in the Rockwood School District that's uh, named after him. I think it's out in Eureka. It's Blevins Elementary. But anyway, this man, he, he was not just my ele- one of my elementary school teachers, you know, up here at Kellison Elementary, but he was also a born-again man. He was a deacon in the Baptist church. I remember as I sat there and that convicting power, the Spirit of God was on me. I remember somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I looked up. It was him. He said, <laughs> he said, do you want to go forward and receive Christ? And I sat there and that power was on me. And, and you know what? I didn't go that night. I remember telling him, not yet, not yet. See, the power of God was on me, but see, the Spirit of God was drawing me. But it was without force. He won't make you come forward to get saved. And so that Mr. Blevins, Blevins, he went back to his seat. And I didn't respond that night. But thank God the Holy Ghost didn't leave me alone. I said he didn't leave me alone. He stayed with me. And that convicting power stayed with me. And then in the process of time, I did respond. Thank God I did. Glory to God. But you know, many never do respond. Many never do. I've already, I had one man tell me one time. Because I've made altar calls over the many years and I've watched the power of God, this convicting power of God come on sinners. And I've watched them, you can see it sometimes on them and that moment of decision, that point of decision. And you can see the power of God working on them. 
One man even came up one time and told me. He said, he said, I, 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 I he said, I just, he said, I had my hands on the, on the chairs. He said, and they, I could see my knuckles had turned white. That power was so mighty upon him, drawing him to Jesus. But you see, it was without force. And he resisted and resisted and resisted. I don't know if he ever did get saved. You know, I want to just say this. Some who refuse to respond. I'm talking sinners that refuse to respond. You know, the Holy Spirit is gracious and he'll deal with you for year after year after year after year after year. But I believe after much time of drawing at a certain point, the Holy Spirit, this is what I believe, will leave a person alone after a while. You don't ever want to get to that point. Now, I'm not saying that person couldn't go on at a later time and get saved. I'm not saying that. But you don't want to get to a point where the Holy Ghost leaves you alone. I'm talking to sinners now through that camera right there. Because all of us in here, as far as I know, saved. But you don't ever want to get to a point where the Holy Ghost is leaving you alone. You don't want to resist Him one time too many. I remember a story told about a certain church many years ago. And uh, uh, this man in the community, he was a sinner. And, uh, and everybody knew it. And uh, he came to a church service. And uh, he was sitting on the back row. And uh, the uh, worship service went on. And then the pastor got up and preached. And after his message, he made an altar call for salvation. And uh, everybody in the church, as far as he knew, was saved. But that one man on the back row that he saw, he knew he, he wasn't saved. And so he made the altar call for that man's benefit. No sense in making an altar call when you know everybody in the congregation is saved, you know. But he made it for that man's benefit. and He did not respond. And so he made the altar call again. And the man still didn't respond. And then finally, what happened was, is there was a 12-year-old girl there. Uh, gave out a message in tongues. And so, everyone waited for the interpretation. And when there is a public message in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation. Unless it's being used as a sign. And in this case, it was being used as a sign. And no more than that girl got done giving those tongues out. That man who wouldn't respond to that pastor's altar call. That man got out of his chair and came into the altar as fast as he could go. And he got saved. And so after the service, the pastor pulled him aside and he said, he said, uh, what caused you to come and get saved? Was it the worship that we had today? Did it finally get through to your heart? And he said, no. He said, was it my message that finally got through to your heart? He said, no. He said to the man, was it the altar call? Was it that I gave it, you know, multiple times? Did that finally get through to you? And he said, no. And so the pastor said, what was it that finally caused you to come? He said, that 12-year-old girl, he said, now, I don't know her, but I know of her. And, 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 and I happen to know that she does not speak Choctaw. He said, I was raised on a Choctaw reservation. Nobody in this town would know that I was raised on a Choctaw reservation. And I happen to know that that girl or nobody that I know in this town speaks Choctaw. You know, that, that, that's a Native American language. 
And, and, and he said that that girl, when she gave that, that, that message in tongues, she, she, she did, she, she, in Choctaw, perfect Choctaw, called my name and said, I've been dealing with you for years and tonight is your last call. If you don't call, called his name, said tonight's your last call. If you don't come tonight, you'll die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. And I tell you what, that man hightailed it and got into the altar and got saved. Can you say amen? Thank God for the Holy Ghost, you see. And I tell you what, I remember one time I gave an altar call back at the school. We had uh, been meeting at the school for a, a little over a year. This is the only time I've ever seen anything like this. We started out in that falcon room down in the lower level and then we outgrew that and we moved up into the, in, in the, into the commons area. And I, I remember the, the Spirit of God had directed me to preach a message on hell. And so I went into the altar, uh, into the pulpit, you know, and I preached a message on hell. And about halfway through that message, the Holy Ghost took hold with me. And I preached on the, on the subject of hell. How many of you know hell is real? It really, really is. Uh, uh, somebody said, well, I don't believe there's a hell. Well, just cause you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not there. This Bible says it's there. It's a place of torment. My God, don't go there. But I began to preach on hell and the Holy Ghost came on me. And I began to preach. I preached hell like I've never preached it before or really ever since. And I tell you what. Afterward, one of, uh, one of our uh, uh, department heads came to me. A man that is born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's in heaven now. His name is Paul Fonts. He came to me and he said, uh, he came at a later time. Later, like several days later, he came to me and he said, he said, he said, you preached hell so hot. He said that we could, he said, I talked to some of the other leaders in the church. We could, we could almost, we could almost feel it lapping our fannies, you know, the, the flames lapping our fannies. We could almost smell the sulfur, he said. But you see, that Holy Ghost took hold with me. Now, I said all that to say this. I've never seen anything like this before or since. I gave that altar call and there were two ladies sitting up to my right, right in front of where our sound booth was. We had a table that sat up there in, in our sound, that was our sound booth. There's two ladies sitting in front of that table. And I tell you what, I've never seen anything like this before or since, but I gave that altar call. And, and, and no more than I said, if you want to get saved, Miss Hell, make heaven, come on down here. I tell you what, it was like I was on the price of, uh, price is right saying, you know, come on down. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't walk down. There was some stairs. They didn't walk down the stairs. They didn't trot down the stairs. They didn't jog down the stairs. I've never seen anything like they ran. I mean, they ran faster than they do on the prices right. They ran. They ran into the altar to get saved. Can you say amen? Glory to God. What was it? It was that convicting power of the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, I have a, I want, I want to see people get saved. I, I really do. I tell you what, I, I believe in the next phase of my ministry, I'm going to see more people get saved uh, than, than I ever have before. I'm excited to tell the lost about Jesus and get them saved, glory to God, and then get them healed by the power of God if there's sickness in their body. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so anyway then, he convicts not only the, the, the sinner of their sin, but then he's, the, Jesus said that the Holy Ghost will convict the world of righteousness. Now here's another area uh, and, and here's the thing, if you look at Romans, the 10th chapter, did you know that if you went down to Walmart right now and you asked somebody, what do you have to do to be saved? You know what most of them would say? Do good things, do good deeds, just be a good person. How many of you know we ought to be a good person, but being a good person won't save you? 
won't make you righteous. See, see, righteousness in the Bible is not obtained, it's imputed. We can't do anything to, of our own accord to obtain it of our own accord to work for it. It's imputed. You ought to study that word imputed. God makes us righteous. We don't gain it or obtain it of our own doing. He imputes it when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. But if you went down to Walmart and just asked people on the, as they come out of Walmart, what do you have to do to be saved? I'll almost guarantee it to you about 99% of them will say, well, you have to be a good person. Now, being a good person, that's good, but that won't save you. You understand that? And see, that's one thing that the Holy Spirit will do, is He'll begin to work on those people and convict them to show them that you can't be righteous in and of your own good deeds, but it's imputed to you through faith in Christ. Notice, if you would, Romans, the 10th chapter, we'll pick up here in the second verse, talking about people who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And then it goes on to say, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. See, there's a lot of people that are ignorant or unlearned of God's righteousness. And seeking to establish their own righteousness. You know, many people do that. They seek to establish their own way to get into heaven, their own righteousness. But you see, they're ignorant of God's righteousness. They seek to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. See, that's what the Holy Ghost will do, is he'll begin to show a sinner that you can't be righteous in and of yourself. You can't be righteous by just doing good things. You know, you can't really convince a sinner of that. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. You can preach to them all right, talk to them, but only the Holy Ghost can convince them that, 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 that you can't be good enough in and of yourself to go to heaven. You have to submit yourself to the righteousness of God, you see. And how is that done in verse 4? That Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So you see, the Holy Ghost, when he begins to convict a sinner of their sin, he'll also go into operation and show them that you can't be righteous in and of yourself. It's through faith in Christ. And then when you place your faith in Jesus, God imputes you, imputes to you, to that sinner, uh, imputes righteousness, and they become the very righteousness of God. Can you say amen to that? That's, that's, that's good, isn't it? And then, of course, convict the world of judgment. And along in this process... What the Holy Ghost does is he'll also convince and show the sinner that if they don't repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is eternal judgment of suffering eternally in a place called hell, you see. Thank God for the work of the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, all of us that are here in this room that's gotten, that we've all gotten saved, all of us have experienced this to some degree at some point. Without this experience, you can't, you can't get saved, you see. And all of us, whether you realize it or not, have experienced the Holy Ghost before you got saved, tugging on your heart in some way or another to get saved. You understand it. Thank God for the work of the Holy Ghost. Without, without Him, nobody could ever be saved, you see. I mean, thank God for what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus made it possible, but it's also the work of the Holy Ghost, you see. Pointing us to what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. So there's a threefold ministry that the Holy Spirit has to the world. Now let's talk a little bit about the sevenfold ministry that he has to you and I as believers, to the church. Notice if you would, Revelation, the first chapter and the fourth verse. Are you getting anything out of this today? It's, it's interesting, if nothing else. For a Revelation, the first chapter and the fourth verse. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Classic. It says this. 
John to the seven assemblies or churches that are in Asia. May grace, God's unmerited favor be granted to you and, and spiritual peace, the peace of Christ's kingdom from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Watch this. And from the seven spirits, the sevenfold Holy Spirit before his throne. Now, people a lot of times will read this and they'll say, are there seven Holy Spirits? No, there's one Holy Spirit, but he has a sevenfold ministry or a seven part ministry to the church. Because see, he's writing here to the, to the church, you see. And the Holy Spirit, he has a threefold ministry to the world. We just talked about that. But he has a sevenfold ministry to the church, to born again believers. Now, let me say this to you. Don't get this sevenfold ministry that he has to the church confused with the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We mentioned those the other, the other, the other Sunday. We'll get back on those, I believe, as the Lord leads as we go forward. But uh, uh, don't get what I'm talking about today confused with the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those gifts of the Holy Spirit, you see, are available to those who've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But this ministry today of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer, whether you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit or not. And there is a sevenfold aspect to his ministry, the Holy Spirit's ministry to the church. Now, let me just say this. You need to hang on every word here because you know what? You can't take advantage of something you don't know about. Is that right? And you know most, I say most, but I say, I say most Christians, yeah, I think that's fair to say most Christians don't have a clue that the Holy Spirit has a sevenfold ministry available to them. So, so listen carefully and, uh, and, and, and learn about these so you can take advantage of what He does. Now notice here you say, well, what is the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit? What is it? Well, look at John 16 verse 7. John 16 verse 7 in the Amplified Classic says this. Jesus said, however, I'm telling you, uh, nothing but the truth when I say it's profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Now, we read that just a moment ago, and I already talked about that, but let's read on here. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, now look at this, com now count these up, add these up. Comforter, counselor, I feel like I'm back teaching math here now. <laughs> All right, let's add these up. I used to be a math teacher. Comforter, counselor, All right. helper, advocate intercessor, strengthener, and standby. How many is that? Seven. seven. See, the Holy Spirit has a sevenfold ministry to the church, to born-again believers, and there they are. Comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Now, actually, the, the Greek word here is parakletos. Parakletos, I'll spell it, P-A-R-A-K-E-L-T-O-S, parakletos, parakletos, however you want to say it. And it's translated, it's interesting if you read different Bible versions, this, this word, uh, parakletos in the Greek, it's translated in different Bible versions many of these seven different ways. So one, one Bible version will, uh, will, will translate it comforter, another one will translate it counselor, another one will translate it helper, and so forth and so on, you know. And, but, but, but there's one Greek word, but we have seven English meanings to that one Greek word. And, uh, and actually, of all seven that we read, there's one that stands at the head of the list, and it's actually the primary meaning of the word parakletos. It, it, it's, 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 it means this, one called alongside to help. 
And you see, the Holy Spirit has been called alongside to help us. And I'm so thankful that he has. As Christians, you see. As Christians. See, now as sinners, he's convicting the sinner of their sin. We talked about that. And of righteousness and of judgment. But as believers, see, he's called alongside to help us to be our comforter, our counselor, our helper, our advocate, our intercessor, our strengthener, and our standby. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. Now... Let's just briefly, in the time I have left, just very briefly, just kind of, kind of highlight each of these. First of all, comforter. I'm so glad that he's a comforter. Now, the comforter means to soothe when in distress. So if you're in distress, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is called alongside. Now I know he's in you, alright? Now I know he's in you. But, but he's also called alongside you too. That's, that's a good deal, isn't it? I mean, when you get born again, he's on the inside of you. I've already taught you that. When you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, he overwhelms you. But whether you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost or not, remember, you don't have to be baptized with the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. You've got to be born of the Spirit. We've talked talk to you about that. But, but, but once you're born of the Spirit, you know, the Holy Ghost, he's called along. He's in you, all right, but he's also called alongside of you. To help you, it's a good deal having him on the inside of you and on the outside. Isn't it? That's good. He's called right there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You understand that? And he's right there with you and he'll soothe you when you're in distress. He'll ease you in the midst of misery and sorrow and grief. Has anybody ever been in the midst of misery and sorrow and grief? Well, you need to know that the Holy Ghost is a comforter. He'll ease you right in the midst of that. Oil, oil in the Bible is likened to the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, have you ever had, have you ever cut yourself, you know, and you, you, you put some salve on that? Has anybody ever cut themselves besides me and you put that triple antibiotic ointment, that salve on there? Well, that's what the Holy Ghost is like, only he's better than triple antibiotic ointment. Glory to God. You know what I mean? And uh, but he'll soothe you when you're in distress like oil. He'll he'll soothe you. Uh, uh, you know, in time of people's greatest sorrow, because being a pastor now 27 years, you know, I've, I've been to funerals and when people have lost loved ones and I'll stand there, you know, and I'll try my best to offer comfort and say things to comfort. But, you know, I've always found my words to be ultimately inadequate. You know, thank God we, we, we soothe people with our words as a minister as best we can. But thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit because He can, He can console and He can comfort people, you know, where, where human words can't. You, you understand that. So thank God uh, for the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you, if you're, if you're going through a time of distress or misery or sorrow or grief, call on the Holy Spirit. He's called alongside of you to help you and He'll comfort you through it. Now then, the next one is counsel. Comforter, counselor. Now, this also means guide. This word counselor also means guide. I don't know about you, but I like having a guide, you know. I, I like having a guide. The Holy Ghost is the greatest guide of all. Now, notice here in John 16, verse 13. However, Jesus speaking, he says, When he, the Spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Ghost, is come, he'll guide you into all truth. Now, that's wonderful. For he'll not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. I tell you what, you need to know about that ministry of the Holy Spirit. You need to know about that and you need to take advantage of it. You need to spend time with him because he will tell you things to come as it pertains to you and yours. Now, I could talk for hours on how he's warned me of things over the years. But I tell you what, one of the things that stands at the top of the list is the, 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 the departure of my mother. The departure of my mother. Her and I were very close. And I know uh, 
uh, uh, the Spirit of God had, had, had uh, sent uh, a man of God to me about a year and a half before she uh, uh, went to heaven, you know. Just getting me ready, getting me ready. She was 90 years old, but her and I were very close. A lot of people thought I was going to be a basket case when she finally, finally went. And didn't know if, a lot of people thought, they, they thought I wasn't going to even be able to continue on and function in society because her and I were so close, you know. But I tell you what, uh, going back to 2014, when we came into the spring of 2014, uh, she took a downward turn. And I thought, oh my goodness, here, here it is. But the Holy Ghost hadn't said anything to me about it. And, and you know, just as quick as she went into that, that dive, she came right back up out of it. And we had that summer, nice summer, summer 2014. She was doing just fine. Came into September, she was doing just fine. We were playing cards and, and, and she, she, I'd bring her a chocolate Hershey's kisses, you know. And, uh, and, and her friend there, you know, I'd bring her, cause she was in a nursing home the last couple, few years of her life, and I'd bring the Werthers, you know, to her friend, they'd sit there and play cards, and we we're just having a big time, you know, and I'd go see her every day, and we'd just having a big time, and, uh, she's doing just, doing, doing fine, but the Spirit of God said to me, He said, the time, of your mother's departure is at hand. Now let me throw something else in here. He didn't say the time of her death. Did you know that if you're born again, you've done all the dying you're going to do? Did you know that? See, the Bible doesn't call when a Christian dies, death calls it departure. Paul said having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, you see. You understand that? And he said to me, the time of your mother's departure is at hand. What was, this is the ministry of him being a counselor, a guide. See, he was getting me ready. He said, the time of your mother's departure is at hand. Well, that was in September. She looked like she was just doing just fine. And I tell you what, uh, November, uh, I believe it was the 14th, she, she takes her trip to heaven and she departs. Glory to God. And the Holy Ghost got me ready. And, and as far as I know, I only cried. Uh, I think I cried about a time and a half. Uh, I did just fine. And I didn't grieve. You know why? Because I know where she went. Glory to God. She wouldn't come back here even if she had. She wouldn't come back here now even to see me. <laughs> you understand that? Because heaven's so wonderful. I know where she's at. She was born again. She received Jesus. Glory to God. But see, the point here is the Holy Ghost got me ready for it. He got me ready for it. And he'll do that. And, and I tell you what, know this about the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. He'll guide you either around problems, but he won't always guide you around problems. Sometimes he'll guide you right through a problem. You need to realize that. Too many Christians want the Holy Ghost to guide them around everything. Well, he doesn't guide you around everything, but he'll guide you. Now, sometimes he does. But there's some things that can't be averted, but he'll, he'll guide you right through the middle of that. He's wonderful. Let me tell you that. And so he's also a helper. Let me just go on here a little while longer. Just a few more of these. Helper. And this again is the primary meaning of what he does. He's one called alongside to help. And as I already said with my mother's departure, I tell you what, I could talk to you for a couple hours, which I won't. But he helped me through that. He helped my mom when she departed to go to heaven. He, he helped her. But I tell you what, he helped me so greatly. Now, he's helped me other times, all right. But he helped me so greatly. See, we need to, we need to lean on him. He's the helper and he'll help you through difficult times. He'll help you through trying times. And you know, it was, it was a trying time for me in her departure. But I tell you what, I think back on it now and the Holy Ghost was with me every step of the way. I remember, I mean, he, <laughs> he, I, 
Well, let, let me just put it this way. He, he helped me keep her from going through the jaws of death. She didn't, her physical body didn't have to go through the jaws of death. She was headed that way. But I tell well, I'm a little ahead of myself. But he came on me and interceded for her in other tongues. Glory to God. And kept her from going through the jaws of death. Her body never had to go through the jaws of death. The people over there at that nursing home said, said, oh, she's going to have, she's going to lose a whole bunch of weight and all of this because she'd stop eating, you know, and it's going to be a terrifying thing. No. Praise God. The helper was there. Interceded for my mom. Praise God. Glory to God forevermore. He helped me and she averted the jaws of death and her body just went through the gateway. Praise God. And her spirit went to be departed to be with the Lord. Can you say amen? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. See? And he'll, what, he, what he did for me, he'll do for you. He's no respecter of persons. But you have to know his ministry to take advantage of it. You see? That's why I'm teaching it here today. And so he helped me. Now notice here, um, uh, look at John 14, 26. Now this is something you need to take advantage of. But the helper, Jesus is speaking, he says the helper, that's the Holy Ghost. And then he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Now that doesn't mean you don't need a teacher. I mean, you need human beings teaching you. The, the Bible says he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to the church. But the Holy Spirit can teach you things that you can't get off a man or a woman. You understand that? Uh, you need to realize that. He'll teach a thing. And then he watches. Now, now you need to take advantage of this. And he'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, that's one of the greatest things that he does. He'll bring to your remembrance things that you've studied from the Bible. Now, you need to realize this. That doesn't mean... Now, listen, the Holy Ghost is called alongside to help you. He's not called alongside to do it for you. He won't do it for you. You've got to do your own studying. He won't study the Bible for you. He won't make you study the Bible. But you read and study the Bible. I'll tell you what, uh, you'll, you'll plant the Word of God on the inside of you. And I tell you what, the Holy Ghost can bring things out of you uh, when you most need them. Things that you put in years ago uh, from the Word of God that you've even forgot about. He'll bring them to your remembrance. I know up here, standing up here preaching many times over the years, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I'll be preaching right along and, and, and He'll bring something up out of me to, to give to you that I forgot I even put in there. See, but you got to put it in there. You got to you got to study the word of God. You got to put the word of God on the inside of you. But if you'll do that, then call on the ministry of the Holy Spirit as helper and he'll help you and he'll bring all things to your remembrance uh, from the word of God. Can you say amen to that? That's a good deal. That's a good deal. That's a real good deal. That's a real good deal. It really, really is. Uh, uh, Thank God. Uh, I've even had Christians tell me this over in the secular arena where they've been taking tests. And uh, they, 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 I'm talking like over in the math area. And they were Christians. And they went to take a test. And, and, and they studied and studied and studied. But they forgot something. And they, they've told me this, that the Spirit of God helped them to remember something. But see, you have to put it in there, but he'll help you. He'll help you. Now, I know Jesus said he'll bring all things you remember that Jesus said, but he'll help you in all areas of life. He really will. Now, you've got to do your study, and you can't not study for the math test and go in there and expect the Holy Ghost to take the test for you. You've got to put it in there, but if you'll put it in there, you see, if you'll put it in there, you see, then he'll bring it out, particularly as it pertains to the Word of God and what, and what Jesus has said. You understand that? And look at Romans 8, 26. He'll, he'll help us in prayer. He'll help us in prayer. He'll help us in prayer. Uh, notice Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. 
See, he's a helper. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been in that boat besides me? You know, I've studied the word of God. I, I, I think I know how to pray. But I get up on situations where I don't know how to pray as I ought. Well, lean on the Holy Ghost. He'll help you. He'll help you. He'll help you when you're weak. For we do not, when, you're, when you don't seem to know how to pray, he'll help you. And uh, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. He'll bring the word of God to your remembrance. So we, we, he'll bring that word to your remembrance so you can bring it before the Father you see in prayer. He really, really will. And notice here, let's continue on with Romans 8. Uh, that was verse 26. Let's read on. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's talking about, I think, in other tongues. And more we could say about that, but in other tongues. Watch this. Now he searches the hearts and knows the mind of what the Spirit is because he makes, watch this, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Glory to God. See, uh, the Holy Spirit will intercede through us uh, with other tongues on behalf of us and on behalf of others. We need to realize that. And I want to say it again and I, I want to just see, have you ever been in prayer and you prayed in English as far as you could go and you didn't know how? how well, actually, have you ever dealt with a situation and you just didn't know how to pray to start with at all? Well, the Holy Ghost will help you in that. And, and, and He'll give you scriptures. He really will. He'll lead you and guide you in the Word of God and, and give you scriptures to pray and bring before the Father. But I tell you what, there's been many times over the years where I prayed for something in English as far as I could go. I didn't know how... how I, now, you know, sometimes you can pray in English and get the, get, get the thing done. You can, you can get the matter settled in English. You don't even need to go into tongues. And, and, and that happens quite often, you know. But there's a lot of times, lots of times where you pray, pray concerning something and you, 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 don't, you don't get it done. You, you don't get it done in English. You don't know how to pray any further. Or there's times something comes to you and you just don't know how to pray in English at all. Well, you yield yourself to the Holy Ghost and, and go over there and let, yield your tongue to Him. And if you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, you know, and pray in the, uh, pray in the Spirit, you see. Now, this would be one time where you would need the baptism with the Spirit. But pray in other tongues. I tell you what, yield your tongue to Him and He'll pray the situation right out. As long as you've done all you know to do, He'll pray the situation out right according to the will of God. Can you say amen? Praise God. That's a wonderful ministry that he has. And he'll intercede through us on behalf not only of us, but our loved ones and others. And then he's, an, I'm almost done, then an advocate. An advocate, he's an advocate. That means supporter or defender. And actually, this is a quite interesting uh, aspect of his ministry. Supporter, defender, but it actually means attorney. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. Did you know the Holy Ghost is the best attorney that there is? He really, really is. He is an attorney. He's one who pleads another's case. He pleads another's case. And, and, and you need to realize this. Most Christians don't even have a clue now about what I'm going to tell you. But when you go in, up, uh, in heaven in the throne room where God's throne is, did you know the Bible calls God? He's a judge, isn't he? He's the great judge. And in, his, in, in, in the throne room, people, Christians don't realize this as they should, but the throne room of God operates very much like a courtroom. Very much like a courtroom. Actually, I think our court system is pretty well, for many aspects of it, are based on, on, on the courtroom of heaven. People don't realize this as they should. The courtroom of God, the, the, the throne room of God is like a courtroom. And I tell you what, I don't ever want to go into a courtroom down here on earth without an attorney, do you? I mean, I don't want to, and I don't want just any attorney. I want a good attorney. I want one that's really, really good. Well, you don't want to be dealing in the throne room of God without a good attorney. And guess what? We've got the best one there is. He's called alongside to help. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And I tell you what, he'll help us navigate 
He'll help us navigate the throne room of heaven. And so you need the Holy Ghost. You need that good attorney. And uh, he'll help us in prayer, as I said, to, before the throne of God, the Father, to plead our case in the case of others. And then he's a strengthener. Just two more to go here. He's a strengthener. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. See, the Holy Ghost is a strengthener. So if you need strength today, you need to call on his ministry. Call on his ministry and he'll strengthen you, you see. He'll strengthen you. And then finally, he's standby. Standby. He's a standby. And what this implies is power available in time of need. Power available in time of need. Or we could say standby power. Have you ever needed standby power? Anybody ever need standby power beside me? I mean, a little extra power to get you over the hump, you know? Well, the, the Holy Ghost, that's one of his ministries. He's standby power. He's power available to help in time of need, you see. It, 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 you know, he's there for you in time of need. I, I'll close with this example. For many years, I had a Fred Flintstone mobile. Now, I don't know if you know what that is, but it was like a puddle jumper. And I, and I made a lot of trips from Eureka to Fenton. And coming back from Eureka to Fenton, there's Antire Hill. And I went up Antire Hill many times and I barely got to the top. I almost felt like I was going to have to open the door and, you know, do like Fred and Barney, you know, Flintstone and Barney Rubble, get up that hill because I didn't have enough power, uh, enough horsepower in that, in that car barely to get up over the hill, you know. So in the process of time, God blessed me financially and I was able to buy a better car with, a, with more cylinders, you know, greater power. And for years, I'd be driving up that hill and people come up side of me, you know, and, and I look over at them. They look at me and they just they just hit the hit the gas and, and they just leave me in the dust, you know. Well, now you see things change and I was able to get a better vehicle. And so I, w I was waiting till I got on that hill and I got up on that entire hill, you know, and there's I remember one, one time this young, young, younger guy pulled up. He was kind of came up side of me there, you know, and I looked over at him. He looked over at me, you know. And, and, and I thought, you know, I've been waiting a long time for this because I got some standby power now, you know. And so, bless God, I just floored that baby down. And I mean, I, boom, I mean, I left him in the dust, went right up over that hill. I tell you what, I was proud of myself. Glory to God, you know. But I tell you what, same thing's true. The devil will pull right upside of you with the affairs of life, the problems of life, the circumstances of life. See, and if you don't know about this ministry of the Holy Ghost standby power, the devil will leave you continually eating his dust. But if you'll take advantage of this standby power of the Holy Ghost, you can call on the Holy Ghost, bless God, and he'll floor that baby for you. And you'll just boom, take right off. You'll go right up over the hill, you know, and leave the devil eating your dust. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Praise God. Well, I tell you what, I'm glad I came today. Why don't you stand with me if you would? Know these seven aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry and take advantage of them. I tell you what, you'll be better off for it. If you're out there today on social media and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, perhaps that convicting power of the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. I want to call you to... Repent of your sins. Turn away from your old life. And receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So do that now. You know, there's no promise in the Bible as it pertains to salvation that you'll have it tomorrow. 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. So I want to encourage you to receive Jesus and do it now. Okay, God bless you and bye-bye.